0: This is Matt Miller. You're watching Chuck vs. the Podcast.
1: You were about to enter Chuck vs. the Podcast. The place for people who love Chuck and the people who work on Chuck. The only show that takes you behind the scenes. With the stars.
0: Yvonne Strahovski.
1: Zachary Levi. Joshua Gomez. Ryan McFarland. Adam Baldwin.
0: Sarah Lancaster.
1: Interactive interviews.
0: Julia Ling. Phil Klemmer.
1: All the cast. Dixon High. Tony Hale. Scott Krinsky. Mark Christopher Lawrence. Anita Federici. Fun hosts. This is Mel. This is Liz. Now you can see how wacko we are. The writers. Hallie Adler. Scott Rosenbaum. Jeff Barrow. The editors, Matt Barber, Jeff Grandel, Kevin Mock, contests, we are giving away a check press kit, the directors, Jason Lindsay, Norman Buckley, the guest stars,
2: Steve Austin,
1: Kristen Griffith, the music, this is Tim Jones, guest hosts,
2: I'm Kaylee from Toronto,
1: conventions, lights come up and here comes Jester out on stage, set visits, this is the guy right here, and much more, are you ready? This is great.
2: This is Mel. This is Liz.
1: And we want to welcome you to Chuck vs. the Podcast, episode 48, for Saturday, April 3rd, 2010. You're going to love the episode today because we are able to bring you an exclusive interview that I had with writer and director and executive producer, Matt Miller, who uh, has brought us most recently, Chuck vs. the American Hero, which was a very great episode. We all loved it here on the podcast, and I'm sure you loved it too, um, So we we decided to split the episode this week. We gave you one yesterday, on Friday, to announce the campaign of of Chuck Declassified. And now we're going to bring you the interview. I hope you enjoy it. So I want to welcome writer Matt Miller to the podcast. Uh, How are you doing, Matt?
0: I'm doing great, thank you.
1: I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, and, and you're not only a writer, but you're an executive producer on the show, and you're a director as well.
0: That's true. I am a director, although I haven't directed any Chuck.
1: Mm.
2: Uh,
0: we talked about directing one when we got the final six picked up uh, this season, the extra six, because we were really, really looking for directors, but... Um, just didn't work out. I was really busy, um, and uh, you know, maybe next season.
2: Mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm.
1: Well, well, let's uh, let's take it back a little bit and talk a little bit yeah. more about your background. So, sure. you, you started out at
0: USC. I did. I went to. Uh, I didn't go to SC with Josh and Chris, mm-hmm. but I did go to SC. I went to graduate school at SC. What years were you at USC? Uh, I was at USC. Uh, let's see, ninety three to like ninety five. Mm-hmm. And I was in a producing program there called uh, the Peter Stark Program, which is not necessarily geared towards writers it 's about twenty five people a year, graduate students that are sort of motivated to be in the in the business end of the business mm mm-hmm. And then everyone there sort of just usually decides they would rather write.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: so myself and a number of my classmates, I, I, I got a job when I graduated at Peter Stark, prestigious Peter Stark program as a waiter in a restaurant <laughs> and just started writing. So yeah, yeah. it was a good experience for me to do it, and I would recommend it. But, you know, it doesn't always necessarily lead. It's not like you graduate the Stark program and, and you automatically sort of get a job and some mm-hmm. get a business.
1: It's a little interesting because uh, I might have actually met you. Um, I was accepted to SC grad school in 94, and uh, okay. I, I visited the campus, uh, was getting oh, everything yeah? set up, and, and I actually couldn't get the money together for the international fees. So oh, yeah. I ended up staying it, in Toronto.
0: Yeah, I got to tell you, it's it's super expensive, and I, and I don't – I mean, the other graduate programs that I think, are a lot better. I, I, the Peter Stark program is a very good program. It's a very prestigious program. But it depends on what you want to do. If you want to write or something like that, you're probably, you know, maybe better off just writing. Mm-hmm. So in
1: in 1996, you had a short film, Understanding Olivia, and you were <laughs> producer, director, and actor on that one.
0: That was that was part of Peter Stark. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was still I was still in grad school at USC, I and mean, I and I, I was only in, I, that was what started off as a uh, a, a weekend goof with myself and uh, a friend of mine. We just decided that would be our. The big uh, Peter Stark project, and Peter Cohen was a producer on it, who was a classmate of mine at SC, and uh, my friend was the other actor. It was it was real, uh, real professional organization over there. (laughs) Those were the days. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So now uh, on IMDb, it jumps a little bit, mm-hmm. and it says that in '99 you you were the creator of a series called Grown Ups. But what what happened in between?
0: Well, '99 is probably when that show aired. Between '96 and '99, you know, again, I finished up graduate school, and then I got a job as a waiter in a restaurant, and I was writing like a novel and a bunch of other stuff, and um, was able to get a break where a script that I had written. Um, I was able to sell, and then I got a job to write a movie for Fox, which got me out of the restaurant. And so I was able to you know, write for a living. Now, you know, when you look on INDB, they only have the produced credits. They mm-hmm. don't have everything that you end up doing you know, along the way. And I'm sure everyone has you know, jobs, and maybe it's a script that you sold or a TV pilot that you did or a you know, um, book that you were adapting or whatever it is, but, but the, only, the only things that are published on that website, are the things that they actually end up shooting and airing and mm. putting on somewhere. So yeah, there was, there was, so I was doing, I was working as a waiter, and then I sold this script and was able to get out of the restaurant, and then um, I was able, I was very, very fortunate and very naive, and was able to pitch a uh, TV series with really no television experience, <laughs> wow. or credits, or, or knowledge of any kind, and I pitched the show, and it was supposed to be a one-hour Uh, kind of dramedy about uh, my friends and I called The Grown Ups.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And the network bought it and seemed happy with it. And then they called me one day and said, you know, we really like the script. We have a couple of small changes. And the first thing was, can you change it from a half hour to one hour? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And then they asked me to change it from um, single camera to multi-camera, which basically means a sitcom. And the last thing they said is, we have have, uh, a piece of talent attached that we'd like you to sort of gear it towards. And I said, well, who do you have? And they, uh, they told me that they had the artist formerly known as Urkel.
2: Okay. <laughs> it was
0: a gentleman named Julia White, a very nice young man. So, uh, so that was my first foray into television. It was sort of, I don't know, it was like 27 or 28, maybe it was 29, somewhere in, the, in my late 20s, and I was running a television show knowing nothing about what I was doing. Wow. Which was a half-hour sitcom starring, uh, starring Julia White. Wow, we did that for a season. Did twenty-two beautiful episodes of that.
1: No, so that that was sink or swim, and I guess you you swam.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. My, my first hire.
1: I was a little interested. You uh, you worked with someone called Scott J Rosenbaum on that one. I did. I did. Is that the same Scott Rosenbaum that was on Chuck?
0: That is. That is. Scott Rosenbaum um, was my roommate at the time. Oh, you're kidding. We both out here. Yeah, we moved out here together. Uh, we went to college together in, in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and we moved out here together. And then when that show got picked up, I really had no idea what I was doing, and about you know, 200 scripts arrived on my doorstep to, to hire writers to staff mm-hmm. on the show. And so I turned to my roommate, Scott Skeeter. He's, he goes by and said, you know, you want to work on the show? He said, sure. I said, you're hired. Start reading.
1: <laughs> That's great.
0: <laughs> and the two of us. <laughs> Yeah, with no experience, nothing to do, we set out to uh, hire the staff and, and put together that TV show. So, so yeah, Skeeter uh, Scott did did work on that with me. That was our first time working together, uh, or at least getting paid to. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, years later, when Chuck came up, we started working together again.
1: Wow, that's great. Actually, he, he was on our most recent podcast.
0: No, perfect. There you go. Yeah.
1: Now, in between then and Chuck, you, you wrote and directed a romantic comedy, um, The Perfect You. Or, I, yeah, is it right. Crazy yeah, Little Thing? I, I was a little confused by well, the crazy title. Crazy
0: Little Thing was what uh, someone, I don't know, one of the producers who sold it to whoever, uh, they changed the title. I had nothing to do with that. But the, yeah, the title was Perfect You, and it was a, like a million-dollar independent movie that I wrote and directed. It was great. It was a blast, and thinking, think you can get it on like Netflix. And, uh, yeah, it was a really wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. It was like 20, 22 days or something like that in New York.
1: Great. And then uh, yeah. uh, you did a, a TV movie, Dynasty, The Making of a Guilty Pleasure.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. After that, after The uh, Perfect You, I had a meeting with ABC, and then I knew the producer it was this guy named Greg Ugliotti. And so they uh, were, they wanted to do a kind of – spoofy movie about the dynasty mm. i'd never really watched dynasty growing up or like you know I'm vaguely familiar with it so i'd watch some episodes and sort of had this big lofty idea that we could do dynasty as sort of a metaphor for greed in the 80s oh, okay. so the whole thing sort of took place at the you know beginning of 80 and and span sort of the nine years or ten years of the decade it was nine years i think that the show was on for and uh you know, had this sort of uh, lofty aspirations that We're going to do that. And that was also a really wonderful experience, worked with great people. We shot that actually in Australia for, for a few months. Mm-hmm. So that was great.
1: Was that at the same time as, as uh, Las Vegas was happening, or, or did Las Vegas come after no, that? No,
0: I went on to Vegas sort of right after, immediately after that. And you were two or three years on Las Vegas? That was two seasons on Las Vegas, mm-hmm. yeah, as a producer and a writer on that. I had been writing... Uh, I'd written some pilots for NBC, that sort of brass at NBC. Um, and again, you know, as you know, on Allie and DB, it's just like the things that are actually shot, but there's yeah. a lot of jobs in between. And uh, I'd written two pilots for NBC that fall, and for a variety of reasons. They didn't happen, And they, but they had said, hey, would you come work on the show uh, Las Vegas? And I'd never staffed on a show before. And I sat down with a guy named Gary Scott Thompson who created the show and Gardner Stern who was the executive producer there. And um, yeah, they were nice enough to hire me and went on and did that for two years, got to work with James Caan. Great. It was incredible. He was an incredible guy.
1: And, uh, and then came Chuck. So, so tell me about your introduction to Chuck. Had you, had you seen the pilot or, or what stage did you come
0: on? Yeah, I'd seen the pilot. Um, I saw it in the editing room with uh, Josh Schwartz. Because I, I, during this whole time, I, I've known Josh for many years. In fact, Josh was one of the few people telling me not to do the grown-up show when they turned it into the Julia White sitcom. <laughs> okay. Uh, and we were real good friends, and we've been very good friends for a while. And, uh, and him and I actually are, are doing a pilot as well right now, um, a sitcom.
1: Mm-hmm. That's uh, Hitched?
0: Hitched, exactly, yeah. exactly. But, but but before that, so uh, you know, we would always been real good friends. But now, and we talked about working together on a variety of things, and just nothing ever kind of worked out, or it was right, or for whatever reason. And so Chuck, you know, seemed like a really good fit and a good thing for us to for us to do. And and so after they had uh, shot the pilot, I went and uh, screened it in the editing room. Thought it was just terrific. And so you know, and then I had to meet Chris and met. Uh, Mr. Fedak. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, was, it was good. It would just all seem like, you know, right opportunity at the right time. And so we, we've had a blast doing it. It's been phenomenal.
1: Yeah. And uh, I'm just going to recap for, for the viewers. Um, of course, every writer's in the writer's room, but you've the, the scripts that you personally wrote were uh, Chuck versus the Tango, um, Imported Hard Salami, The Seduction, mm-hmm. The DeLorean, uh, The mm-hmm. Beefcake, uh, The Colonel, which is a fan favorite. Uh, the yeah. pink slip the first episode of the 3rd season natural yeah. sampler and then most recently last week's episode american hero yeah yeah so so yeah. definitely some some great chuck and yeah. we don't have time to talk about all of those but yeah. um maybe maybe what you can do is is throughout the process you must have had either a favorite episode or a favorite moment what what kind of stories can you tell about uh, the last couple of years maybe a a scene that was cut that you loved or or just just <laughs> a taste from behind the scenes
0: Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's, um, first of all, it's a very collaborative medium. So we, we do sit in that writer's room all day, every day and then different writers, you know, and we break the story and we really break it. Like every single beat is is examined and discussed and, um, and then, you know, certain writers just, just go off and write them, um. But, uh, and you know, it's always a very different process because there's the one thing when you get the idea and it's up on the board. And there's another phase when you write it. And then there's mm-hmm. another phase when you shoot it. And there's another phase when you edit it. And and so sometimes things, you know, uh, come out better than you even thought they could. And sometimes, you know, you sit in the editing room and say, ah, I feel like we missed, we sort of left a little on the table here. Mm-hmm. And, that, and that happens, you know, all the time. And it's, it's a painful process where – you know, when, when you realize, or you think something wasn't fully realized. But then there's also the side where you sit in the editing room and you think, wow, this, this thing came out great. And, um, and you know, that happens, that happens a lot, too. So it was really great. And I don't know if there was, you know, I think that, again, I think some of these episodes came out really, really well. I think that the DeLorean was maybe an episode that uh, I thought we maybe left a little on the table on that one
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, in terms of what it could have been. I thought the Colonel came out, came out really well. Yeah. I was really happy with that and uh Peter Lauer, who directed it. and every time a new director or a different director comes in there's always a different feel that they give to mm-hmm. the show. So uh I think when I sat in the editing room for for Colonel even though you know sometimes you sit in there and some scenes aren't working but you know you can the materials there to shape them. Mm-hmm. And so and that was just so much epic just storytelling that was happening in that episode in terms of You know, Captain Awesome learning about Chuck, who at that time was, you know, now there's been other characters. but At the time, it was the first person outside the immediate circle of Casey and Sarah to find out who it was. And, you know, there was a near hookup with Chuck and Sarah. Mm -hmm. And then Chuck and the Intersect out of his head. So there was a lot of, you know, things in favor for that episode. It had a lot of big, epic moments and just sort of always knew that thing was going to be big and cool and epic. And then there's, you know, like the door and a smaller story about Sarah's father coming, or I actually liked a lot um, the seduction. I liked, you know, and we all, as a, as a show and as a staff, and, you know, we all really loved the Roan Montgomery kind of Oh role. yeah, And he was someone that we had sort of had in mind for a while, and even, you know, when we were picketing during the strike in between the first and second season, we'd be walking the strike line and talking about Roan Montgomery.
2: Mm-hmm. And how we
0: wanted to get back in there and create him, and, you know, and then you have and I think John Marquette did a wonderful job, but you have a variety of ideas of who you want to play that part and how you want, want all that to, to turn out. But I, I do think that episode came out nicely. But, you know, it's always a little different, the script to stage.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and and you have at least the, the privilege that your, your writing offices are literally in, on the same, like just down the hall from the editing suites, and you're just a few yeah. minutes walk away or on those golf carts to ah. where they're shooting. I mean, I know there's some sh- shows that... Shooting one city and and, yeah. and are written in a completely different city.
0: I, I'd be willing to bet our editors would like to be very far away from us. <laughs> I'm sure they would prefer to be in Vancouver if uh-huh. possible. But uh, yeah, it's great for us because you can pop in there constantly, and we're always even before you know the final the edits even been made. We're always sort of sniffing around the editing room, asking the editors how to come out, how to come out. And uh, sometimes they're honest with you and sometimes <laughs> they lie if they don't want to even, because they know if they tell you it's not turning out so good. You know, you always can fix it in the editing room. But even if, you know, you then you'll get particularly neurotic and you'll just keep pestering them all day with other questions. What doesn't work? What do we need to do? Do we need to reshoot anything?
1: Yeah. Well, and I, I love the pickup lines too. I, I know um, when I was there in September... I saw some early cuts, and <laughs> it was funny to hear everybody's voices in 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 the cuts. I, I, what I'm saying is, like the editor's voice instead of yeah, uh, yeah, Chuck yeah. And Sarah. You realize,
0: yeah, you need a line here, a line there, and you have them say it in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah it happens all the time. And then we'll get the real actors to come in during the looping process and, and put their own voices in. But for a while, you have you know whatever uh, assistants standing in the hallway, you drag them in, mm-hmm. and they have to say uh, they have to say the words. Yeah, it's a fun it's a fun process. Yeah.
1: Well, let's uh, let's move on to American Hero. I mean, that was just uh, okay. aired uh, last week and and of course you yeah. you've written one or two since then?
0: Yeah. Uh, let's see. American Hero was tw- I probably well, I wrote uh co- I, you know, again I, with 12 I I co-wrote that with uh Phil Klemmer and yeah. Max Denby. Um, I actually did all my writing this season was in a co-variety.
1: Oh, all the writing, really?
0: Yeah, I didn't I didn't I, I, uh, I had a very tough year, so I was, you know, I had another kid, and I was writing uh, two pilots and, and doing a show. Mm-hmm. So I, I co wrote as much as was, was reasonable. Yeah. So I co wrote the first one with, um, with Chris Vidak, and then I co wrote the, the, the sixth one, which was uh, the Nacho Sampler with Scott Rosenbaum. And then co-wrote 12 with uh, Phil Klemmer and Max Danby, And Max uh, is our writer's assistant. Oh, okay. So it was good for him to get his first produced credit where he got on that, on that episode. And then he ended up co-writing another episode later for us in the season. Um, and then I co-wrote uh, episode 18, which is the second to last episode, uh, with uh, Ali Adler and uh, Phil Klemmer.
1: Great. Great. Yeah. So so talk a little bit about the process then of, of co writing. So when you wrote mm-hmm. when you co wrote American Hero with, with Phil, um yeah. were there, did you, you trade off scenes or did you pass drafts to each other or, or Yeah,
0: how? well you do you do a little I mean it depends on on the situation and the circumstances how much time you have. I think with, with, usually what you end up doing or what we do on the show is, you know, you sort of divvy up the acts. You do mm-hmm. it by act. Someone will take uh, the first three, someone will take the last three, or someone will take the first and the second and the fifth, and someone will take the second, third, and fourth. However you want to do it, you divvy up the acts, and you both write them, and then you sort of pass your acts back and forth and allow the other person to give notes or give thoughts or do some writing on those acts as mm-hmm. well.
1: Well, it's great that you guys have been working together for so long. Cause, uh, yeah. You have the tone, and you have, uh, I mean, you would yeah. never know that, that, that you guys were writing different acts.
0: Right, right, right. You've got to make sure everyone's nailing their voices and, but by season three, it's you know we've all been there since the first season, so it's not like there's any hasn't been too many changes in the writing staff, so it's been a pretty tight group, and we all kind of have the same tone and voice for what we want the show to be. So it makes it easier that process where someone's not writing a completely different show, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, and so originally episode twelve was supposed to be setting up the finale, which was going to be episode thirteen. Right? Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, the number one? Um, how that might be different than, than just uh, the run in the middle episode uh, setting yeah. up the finale and then all of a sudden finding out that NBC was ordering another six and, and did you have to retool?
0: Yeah, it was it was a very big challenge because we had designed the season around, you know, making, blowing it out with 13. Where mm. 13 was, was sort of right off into the sunset kind of a moment. And, um, and then when they added new episodes, we had sort of, we were in the middle of, Thirteen was just kind of coming off the board, so it had been sort of broken. And then to add six more is tough because you don't want people to feel like, oh, the episode, the season ended at thirteen. Now what? Mm-hmm. So we ended up pairing back some of the things we wanted to do in both twelve and thirteen. Oh, I. See. So it didn't feel like such a climax. So it, so it, it, they still felt like big important episodes, but it didn't necessarily feel like. It was all over. All the stories had been tied up and, and, all, and all the loose ends and all of that sort of stuff. So, so we, we had a, a bigger um, version of 12 and 13 that we wanted to do that we had to pare down a little bit so it doesn't, didn't feel – like the season was over.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it, and it was a, it was a very strong episode. It was very well received by, by the fans. Uh, great job oh, on that one. Um, were, are there any stories in particular you can tell about that, that episode, uh, things that might've been a challenge or things that were, were fun to, to do?
0: Yeah. Well, it's always, you know, it's always like, it's always the stupid things that people hopefully won't tell when they watch it, but it's, you know, a location that was difficult or, you know, something that didn't look as, as good as we wanted to, or we didn't have the pieces, the, the restaurant scene where um, Chuck is, interrupts Shaw's dinner mm-hmm. with, uh, with Sarah, and then you've got the guys in the van, and then you've got Morgan and he makes a crank phone call, and then the police show up, and the ring shows up, and you know all of that kind of chaos. that was the hardest part of that episode to get right. Oh, really. Um, yeah, and it required because there were so many pieces, mm-hmm. and some of the pieces we, they weren't able to get because you know this season we've been shooting the episode in one fewer days than we had last season. Yeah, so it's very difficult. So they just couldn't get all the pieces. So we were really struggling until the very last minute. We had to go in and and shoot some extra stuff, some extra angles, and things like that. So you had all the parts to make that sequence work.
1: Wow, well, it's it's really seamless on screen.
0: Yeah, well that's good. That's good. Yeah, you know. That's the that's the dream. The dream is that no one knows how hard you worked on it.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and, and actually in particular, I noticed that this episode had a lot of location stuff. It was a lot yeah. less. Uh, I know um, Scott Rosenbaum, when he was on last week, he talked about how Chuck versus the Beard, he he had a, a what do you call it, a bottle episode where he had to do almost mm-hmm. everything on set. Yeah. Um, this seemed like the opposite, like there was a lot that was outside of the regular sets.
0: Yeah, well, that's uh, well, yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, and twelve, because when it was originally conceived, it was supposed to be the second to last episode. I mean, there was a a version of twelve at one time that took place in Paris. Wow. So yeah, so it's it was you know definitely a different take on it. But like you know like the restaurant that that they had dinner in and that we, you know, drew or awesome go th- uh, you know through the window and and tackled Shaw and all that. That was uh, on the lot. That was on the Warner Brothers lot. So even though it's not on our set, it was mm-hmm. still on the Warner Brothers lot. Okay. Um, but some of the other locations, like the warehouse and some of the ring stuff, was, was off the lot. Um, so, yes, that episode uh, 309, the beard, was what we call a bottle episode, which is you know once or twice a year. You end up having to do an idea that hopefully the audience wouldn't know that this is why it's happening mm-hmm. but for budget reasons you have to shoot a whole episode just on your sets pretty much yeah. yeah and so uh we did the beard this year last year we did um an episode where uh someone drove a car into the buy more oh episode, the christmas one the christmas yeah. episode and if you notice that mostly all takes place on our sets. yeah, yeah. um because you know, just the nature. you got to eventually sort of catch up money-wise somewhere. I think season one we did an episode called The Marlin, which where there was a break in the Bymore. Right. All so the Marlin and all of that. So you try and create storylines that could take place, you know, in the More or on your sets.
1: Well, you know, the uh, funny thing uh, is those are some of my favorite episodes.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's good. It because what happens with those episodes are, and the reason that they always come out very good is because they have to be about character.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: because they can't be, you know, it's not, oh, we found the ring compound and we're infiltrating and, you know, all of that stuff, which is important and necessary to, to moving the story forward. But I think the stuff that always resonates the best for audiences is, is when it comes back and it's just about the people and the characters and you're learning new things about your characters and mm-hmm. things like
1: that. Well, I should say, save money
0: more often. But they, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's tough. You can't, They're very hard to break. Though those episodes. Yeah, so they take a lot of time in the writers' room on on them because it's very tricky how to tell, keep telling a story while it's just in one location or two locations. Yeah,
1: that's going to wrap up the the Chuck part. Great. But, uh, you're now, your your work on Hitched is done, or are you still continue to work on that?
0: No, no. We're not We haven't even shot it yet. So oh, okay. We're just about to start that. We um. You know, we've written the script, and we're in the casting process now, and we're pretty much all cast. Just one or two very small, one one uh, role that needs to be cast,
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and then a couple of real small roles. But but one of the sort of main ensemble, we're still casting. And then we start on Monday with what they call the table read, and then we sort of rehearse it all week next week, and then we shoot it the following week right? And, uh, yeah.
1: and so now, that, is that something that's planned to go into series or is that just a TV movie or, or how, how does that work? And,
0: and, well, the way the way they, the way they do uh, pilots is, uh, you know, they shoot some pilots and then they basically decide what they're going to air when their pilots have come in and they decide which of their old shows aren't going to be returning, which ones are going to be returning, how many slots they have, what programs fit well with those. So we won't know if it's going to be on in the fall until like mid-May. Mm-hmm. So it's for CBS, is the network. Yeah. Um, and it's a sitcom, and they have it's in the vein of How I Met Your Mother, which is a, you know, good successful show for them. So okay. Sort of like that, and uh, yeah, we'll see. You know, we'll have to see how it comes out.
1: Yeah. So, and what are your plans for after that?
0: After that, some sleep. <laughs> a lot of sleep, and then uh, you know I'll have to see if Hitch if Hitch gets picked up, then I'll be working on that, uh, possibly returning for Chuck for a four season or uh, something different. Wow. Well, we don't know. Future is uncertain.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, uh, I really, really appreciate you taking the time. I know you got a couple of young kids.
0: And, no, no, uh, it's okay. Thank you. Thank you for doing it. I appreciate it. it was, uh, you know, if we can get any publicity we can get for the show right now, it would be great.
1: Well, thank you so much for taking the time. And, and
0: thank no, you listen, for. I appreciate it. I thank you so much.
1: Yeah, And thanks for giving us uh, a great thing to do on Monday nights.
0: Oh, beautiful. Terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Keep watching. Okay. So best of luck to you.
1: Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. And we're back. And again, what a privilege it is that uh, that we we're able to have the writer of the episode this week on the podcast. I mean, just great timing that it worked out that way. Um, and great to talk to Matt.
2: He's so gracious with his time. We really appreciate it. And it was, yeah, it's exciting to get to hear from him on when we're on such a high from this good episode. Mm-hmm. We want to also thank our sponsors, Movie Morons, which is a podcast about all things film and is not moronic in the least. You can find them at MovieMorons.com. And we also want to thank our other sponsor, Junkies.de, which is the largest television fan site in Germany. If you are a German speaker or reader, you should stop by Junkies.de and catch up on all the latest news about your favorite TV shows, including Chuck.
1: So that's... Really all we've got until Chuck comes on Monday. Please watch Chuck live. Make sure you remember the Chuck Declassified campaign that we've got going. Check back to ChuckTV.net for all the latest details on the campaign for renewal news and that kind of thing. And have a great Chuck week. Check back with us next week for our podcast talking about what was going to be the finale, episode 13. Thanks a lot.
2: And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye.